Welcome to the Private School Leader Podcast, where private school leaders learn how to thrive and not just survive at one of the most difficult jobs on earth. I'm your host, Mark Minkus. In May of 2017, my oldest sister, Kathy, passed away from breast cancer. In July of 2018, my twin sister, Ruth, passed away also from breast cancer. And in February of 2019, my sister, Marcia, passed away from a heart attack. That's three sisters in three years. Fortunately, my school has a really great employee assistance program, and I was connected with a grief counselor named Virginia, and she was super helpful to get me through that three sisters in three years. But then fast forward to September of 2021, and my 93-year-old father passed away from COVID-19. And so I reached out to Virginia again, and we talked, and she listened, and after about 15 minutes, and I'll never forget this, she said, Mark, I don't think you're dealing with grief. I think you have a severe case of burnout. Like everyone else, from the summer of 2020 through September of 2021, that first full school year where we were dealing with the worldwide pandemic and doing our best to have in-person school, everyone was dealing with this. And as I look back over my career, I have to say it was the most difficult and most exhausting year ever, and you may feel the same. And I used to say during that school year that if we had to jump through 17 hoops every day to do it safely, to be able to have kids in person, that then we were going to jump through 17 hoops every day because the kids are worth it. But my grief therapist said that I was dealing with burnout. And I'm sure that that year that led up to September of 2021 was part of the reason. And so that began a one-year journey for me of learning about burnout, what it really is and what it's not, and how to effectively deal with it. And how, most importantly, setting boundaries in my life just made all the difference. And as I record this episode, I'm doing much better, but it was a long journey and I had to do a lot of work on myself. And I was able to overcome burnout and you can too. And on today's show, we're going to talk about how to overcome burnout and how to prevent burnout by setting boundaries at school and at home. But before we jump into that, I would like to ask for a favor. You know that it's my mission to help private school leaders all over the world thrive at the schools that they serve. Can you help me with that? Can you please rate and write a review for this episode? The ratings help this podcast to be heard by more leaders, and your review gives me valuable feedback so that I can better serve you in the future episodes. So thank you so much for rating and writing a review for this episode. All right, I want to start out today's episode by saying that I'm really worried about you. I'm worried about you. I really am. You are a private school leader, and you have one of the most difficult jobs on earth. And as I record this episode, we have just had two and a half years of a worldwide pandemic and all the trauma and stress and exhaustion that goes with that. And I really want you to hear this. Private school leaders are not okay right now. I want to say that again. Private school leaders are not okay right now. I want to share two startling statistics with you. In 2021, the National Association of Independent Schools, NAIS, 
did a significant amount of research and they published a study called The State of Independent School Leaders. And I found two of their findings alarming. A lot of them were alarming, but I'm just picking two. So they researched and they asked heads of school, being the head of an independent school, does it seem worth the stress most or all of the time? Does it seem worth the stress? And back in 2009, 86% of heads of school said yes. But in 2021, only 73% said that being a head of school seems like it's worth the stress most or all of the time. And it gets even worse for administrators that are not yet ahead of school. So for admins, does it seem worth the stress to be ahead of school? 42% in 2009 said yes, but 33% in 2021 said yes. So what that means is, is that rising leaders in private schools, when they look at a head of school position, only one in three believe that it's worth the stress to be ahead of school. And then the second statistic is this question. I think about wanting to leave education and go into another field sometimes or all of the time. And when you combine heads of school and private school admins, the number is 49% say that yes, I think about leaving education sometimes or all of the time. So we've got some problems. And like I said, private school leaders are not okay. Too many independent school leaders are leaving education. Too many of the ones that stay are in survival mode. And too many rising leaders in our private schools do not think that being ahead of school is worth the stress that goes along with it. And then we have a shortage of heads of school. And this is not okay. And that's just the statistics and that's just filling jobs. More importantly, and the thing I care about the most is about how you're doing. And like I said, you're not okay. And this is not okay. And so we're going to talk today on our uh, episode eight of the Private School Leader Podcast about burnout, the signs and symptoms, what it is, what it isn't, how to make it better by establishing clear boundaries in your life. So let's start by what is burnout? Burnout is defined as the end state of long-term chronic stress. The end state of long-term chronic stress. When my grief therapist, Virginia, told me that I was suffering from a severe case of burnout, I was beginning my 31st year as a private school leader. And I'll be honest, when I started thinking about all those years and all those decisions and all that stress... Some of the things that caused me stress over the years, and I'm sure that many of you have or are currently having a tremendous amount of stress as well, that I decided to put together a list that I'm just trying to get your attention. And I always say that I believe that a private school leader is one of the most difficult jobs on earth, and I really believe that. And I'm just trying to remind you and to, like I said, get your attention about the effect of the cumulative effect of all this stress on you as a leader. So I came up with a little list of all the things that cause us stress. Number one, financial stress, the responsibility of the school. How are we going to make payroll, pay the electric bill, balance the budget, 
pay for the new roof. Number two, safety responsibilities. Keeping everyone safe from things like a mass shooting or a pandemic while still making sure that the playground is safe for recess. Number three, fundraising. How much do we need to raise? Can we come close to meeting our annual campaign goal? Will this particular donor give again as much as they did last year? Number four, decisions. The cumulative effect of making hundreds of decisions every day, many of them high stakes decisions. Number five, personnel issues. Teachers, finding them, interviewing them, hiring, training, observing, retaining teachers, sometimes firing teachers. Number six, student-related issues, physical and emotional safety of our students, student discipline, suspension, expulsion. That doesn't even touch on meeting the academic needs of our students. Number seven, demanding parents, parents that try to tell you how to do your job, parents that are aggressive towards your teachers, parents with reasonable but very, very high expectations. Number eight, working with the board. Many private school leaders are lucky enough to have a great board and a great relationship with the board chair. That said, many leaders have boards that try to micromanage every aspect of the school, and the relationship between the head of school and the board chair is contentious at best. Number nine, academic issues, curriculum, students with special needs. Can we beat last year's test scores? Number 10, liability issues, stress surrounding all aspects of the facility, the personnel management, HR, athletics, access to programming, and anything else that could possibly lead to litigation. And then number 11, I just called miscellaneous, transportation, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues, students and staff with mental health issues, the strategic plan, accreditation, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, I apologize if that list was triggering, especially if you're on a run or driving to school or running errands or doing work around the house. Listing all the things that stress you out probably is the last thing that you want to hear. But why did I go through that list? So that I can tell you the biggest truth that I've learned over the past year. It was a journey my dad died from COVID. My grief counselor said that I had burnout. And over that year, what was my biggest lesson? It was this. Our bodies were never meant to stay in fight or flight for months and years on end. Let me say that again. My biggest lesson that I've learned over the past year of overcoming burnout is our bodies were never meant to stay in fight or flight for months and years. Now, you learned all about fight or flight back in middle school or high school. It's in our DNA. It is there to keep us alive. The blood flows to all extremities. The heart rate increases. It helps us to be able to run away from the bear that is chasing us. But here's the problem. If you're sitting at your desk on a Tuesday afternoon and you're super stressed out about something, your brain is literally looking around for the bear but it doesn't see the bear, and so you stay in fight or flight, and you just keep running and running on the inside until you drop. So what are some of the symptoms of burnout? So burnout is often something that is described as just being a little overworked or overtired, and this word has been thrown around a lot over the past few years. But the symptoms of burnout are 
feelings of extreme energy depletion, physical and mental exhaustion, disengagement from work and other activities, increased mental distance from one's job, cynicism, when you always think the worst and have a hard time seeing the good in anyone or any situation, negativity, disproportionate reactions to situations. So a big reaction to a little thing or a small reaction to something that's really a big issue. Decrease in feelings of personal accomplishment. Difficulty concentrating. Sleep or GI issues. Easily frustrated or quick-tempered. Emotional numbness. And again, just a really profound sense of depletion. Now, a couple things. First of all, you might be saying, well, that's not me. I don't I don't ha- I only have one of those symptoms or I don't have any of those symptoms. Well, that's great, but I beg you to keep listening so that you don't end up there. But the other thing is is that it's not like you have to have all of these symptoms to say, "Oh, I have burnout." But if you're connecting or any of those symptoms are resonating with you and you're like, "Okay, that is what I what I'm feeling." I had no idea that I had burnout. But in retrospect, we all say hindsight is 2020. I was able to see all of those things. So when we think about burnout, I just want to make sure that you know that there's no quick fix for burnout. It didn't take two weeks to get to the point of burnout. And so you're not going to fix it in two weeks. So let's just say that you gain one pound a month for four years. So one pound a month, that's not so bad. You don't, you don't even notice it. But if you gain a pound a month for four years, that's 48 pounds. And at the end of those four years, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to lose weight. Well, you're not going to lose 48 pounds in a month. It didn't take you a month to get there. It's not going to get fixed in a month. So we've talked about burnout and its symptoms. We've talked about how it's not a quick fix to overcome burnout. But what do we do to make this better? Well, first of all, if you're multitasking, I want you to come back to me for a minute because I really, really want you to listen to this. If you're experiencing burnout, you are not going to get better by just trying to get a little more rest or try to eat a little better or try to move around a little more. You have to have a paradigm shift on how you view your work and how you value yourself. So let me say that again. To overcome burnout, you must have a paradigm shift on how you view your work and how you value yourself. Because if you keep doing this, you're going to end up in the hospital. Trust me, I know. I've been there. Please don't make that mistake. It is not either or. It is not all or nothing. There can be a blend. And I also want you to hear this. I think that work-life balance is a myth But work-life blend with boundaries is very possible and sustainable. So let me throw that at you again. Work-life balance, in my opinion, is a myth. But work-life blend with boundaries is very possible and sustainable. In fact, there was a study done in 2016 that found people with rigid rules surrounding boundaries between work and home experience more depletion and stress than people that had boundaries that were more fluid. 
And so more fluid means a blend as opposed to a balance. And then one more thing before I start to really dive into what are the five things that you can do to set boundaries in your life. One more thing. You have to believe that you have value as a human being and that that value is worth being preserved. I know what it's like to have the weight of an entire school community on my shoulders. I was a head of school for 21 years, and it is a tremendous, crushing, and sometimes overwhelming amount of pressure. And I convinced myself that everyone else came first and that I came last. And that once I met the needs of every student and teacher and parent and board member, then I would meet the needs of my wife and my daughters. And then if I had anything left, I would do something for myself. But you have to schedule some times into your day where you put yourself first and you take care of yourself. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the last thing to illustrate it, and I know that you've seen this and I know that you've heard this before, you've been on a plane and you've heard the flight attendant say, put on your own oxygen mask first and then assist the person next to you. Well, private school leaders are helping everybody else and then they're putting on their oxygen mask last. You're helping everyone else all week in the evenings and weekends, and then for a few hours on Saturday or Sunday afternoon, you're putting on your oxygen mask. And I am pleading with you that you need to put on your own mask first, and I'm going to teach you how. And so you need to place value on yourself as a human being if you are going to change the paradigm about how you look at work and how you view yourself and how you can set these boundaries that are sustainable to be able to have that work-life blend and to overcome or prevent burnout. Okay, so let's talk about boundaries. Boundaries are everywhere in our life. There are lanes on a highway. At your local car repair shop, there's the waiting area And there's the garage or the shop, and there's probably a door or a line and a sign that says, customers do not enter the shop, do not enter the garage. There's a line, there's a boundary. There's a fence around some equipment that says, danger, high voltage. There's checkout lanes at the grocery store or the bank. There's a line that you stand behind at the subway and when, and it says, stay behind this line until the subway car comes to a complete stop. So boundaries are everywhere and they exist to keep us safe and to create an orderly world. That's why boundaries exist. Boundaries in our work life and home life can also keep us safe and maintain order in our lives. So I want you to use your imagination. I want you to pretend that you have a beautiful big backyard. You have an in-ground pool. You have really lush green grass. You have a small garden in your backyard and you have a really nice fire pit with some chairs around it. But you also have a six foot high wooden privacy fence all around your backyard. And you love your backyard. It is your oasis. You have privacy, you love going into the backyard with your family or your friends. But one day, for some strange unknown reason, you just decide to just take down the back wall 
of that six foot high wooden privacy fence. You take down the back wall, you cut it up into pieces, and you use the wood for your fire pit. Okay, so you've got the picture. The backyard is beautiful, green grass, swimming pool, garden, fire pit, six foot high fence. It was an oasis, but then for some strange reason, you decided to just knock down that back wall of the fence. Now we're going to fast forward one year later. Your lush grass has big yellow spots on it and other droppings from all of the dogs in the neighborhood who have visited your backyard. Your pool looks like a busy public swimming pool at the end of a summer Saturday. There's looks like a lost and found. There's all kinds of floaties and t-shirts and hats and there's uh, empty bottles of suntan lotion and there's random toys floating in your pool because all the kids from your neighborhood use your pool whenever they want. The plants in your garden have been eaten by rabbits. Your fire pit has cigarette butts and empty beer cans all around it. And this private oasis that you once had is now a public space and that public is not taking care of it. Why? Well, you took down the fence. You let all of that mess into your backyard oasis because you took down the boundary. And that is exactly what happens when you don't establish clear boundaries between your life at school and your life outside of school. So let's talk about the five things that you can do to set clear boundaries. Number one, establish your priorities. Number two, take a mini sabbatical. Number three, use a designated workspace at home. Number four, beware the electronic leash. And number five, clearly and assertively communicate your boundaries. All right, first, establish your priorities. Earning a living so that you can pay your mortgage is really, really important. But there are other things that are equally important or even more important, and that is your physical health and your mental health and your relationship with your family and your friends. And I want you to think about it this way. When you say yes to something, that means you're saying no to something else. So what are you willing to say no to in your life? Because for years, I said no to my family and to my own self-care, and I said yes to everything that needed to be done at school. So when I say establish your priorities, I mean to just sit down and really think and identify the top three things outside of work that make you feel most fulfilled. The things that keep you going every week and help you to feel more in balance and more fulfilled. And I know may, you may not have done these things in years, but what are those things? Is it one meal per day with the whole family? Is it exercise? Is it painting? Is it riding your bike? Is it 30 minutes of device free time with your significant other? Is it making it to your kids' home games? Is it some other hobby? Really think about the priorities that fill you up and identify the top three things. It doesn't matter whether you think this is realistic or how long it's been since you've done it. Name those top three things. And then pick one, schedule it into your week for even just 30 minutes to start. We're going to start small. 
Pick one of those things, schedule it into your week for 30 to 60 minutes, and then I want you to treat it like an appointment with your board president or your biggest donor and treat it like a doctor's appointment that took you six months to get. So the priorities establish the things that fill you up. Pick one, schedule it into your week, and then treat it with respect as if it was a meeting with your board president or your biggest donor. Okay, number two, take a mini sabbatical. So you've heard the word sabbatical before, of course. It's usually six months of paid time off, usually for a professor at a university, and it usually happens once every seven years. So where did the whole idea of a sabbatical come from? Well, it came from the word Sabbath, because in the Bible and in the Torah, the creation story indicates that God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And for 21 years, I was the head of a school of a pre-K to 12 Christian school, and I would work a lot on the weekends. But in 2012, I became the head of intermediate and middle school at a Jewish day school, and my school has very strict policies around Shabbat. No emails or phone calls from sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday. And this forced Sabbath, this forced mini sabbatical once a week, made a huge difference for me. Those hard boundaries were set by someone else. And suddenly, starting about 10 years ago, I was intentional, because I had to be, about 24 consecutive hours on the weekend from Friday evening to Saturday evening when I wasn't doing work for school. Now, I was doing other things. I was cutting the grass or running errands or spending time with my family or getting caught up on all the million other things with running my daughters to their friend's house. All of those things that we all do as, as parents, or th- those were all the things that I was doing. But that break on the weekend, there's no way for me to describe how much of a difference that made for me. So I can hear what you're saying. You're like, Mark, there's no way I can get a break on evenings or weekends. It's, it just is what it is. Well, okay, first of all, listen to yourself. This is not okay. If you don't change the way that you think about your evenings and your weekends, nothing is going to change and you're going to burn out and be exhausted and have lousy relationships with your family and friends. And you're going to be trying to get out of private school education. Second, think about the research that you know is true about brain function after a break. If it's true for your students, then it's true for you. You have earned a break from doing schoolwork 24-7. You earn a salary. You have earned sick days. You have also earned some time in the evenings and on weekends. And for about 15 years, I lived my life in a way that I believed that the school owned my time, all of my time. And that led to being in the hospital with ulcers It led to relationship problems with my daughters and my wife. They felt like the school always came first and that they came second or later. And it was true. So let's go back to that idea of a sabbatical, a mini sabbatical or Sabbath or an intentional break for you to recharge yourself. I'm pleading with you to set firm boundaries around two things. First, evenings after a certain time and 24 consecutive hours on the weekend. 
So evenings after a certain time, you, you decide what time that is. Is it 7 p.m.? Is it 9 p.m.? Whatever time where you set a firm boundary, it's going to be better than what it was. And then maybe after you see that it works, you can move that time up a little bit. But on the weekend, you might say, oh, I can't get 24 consecutive hours. Well, maybe it's not Friday night to Saturday night, but maybe it's Saturday at 4 p.m. until Sunday at 4 p.m. But just to really, really try to have that be something that you prioritize. And if you, when you communicate those boundaries, and we'll talk about that in a moment, 90% of the time people respect those boundaries. And if they don't, you can gently remind them. And if they don't respect that boundary after the general reminder, then that's a whole nother conversation. But start by setting some firm boundaries for a couple of nights during the week that there's going to be a time where you stop doing schoolwork and 24 consecutive hours on the weekend. And you just have to believe that this is possible. Trust me, I would have never thought it was possible. But it is something you can do it. Okay, number three, use a designated workspace at home. You had one during the spring of 2020, during COVID, when the world shut down and you were working from home. So this designated workspace should not be your bed. Please do not let it be your bed. It should not be at the kitchen table during dinner. Um, maybe it's just a chair or a little chair with a little tiny desk over in a corner somewhere, but it is where you do your work when you're at home in the evening or on the weekend. It will keep you from checking email all evening on your smartphone. We're going to talk about your smartphone in a second. It will help you to be more productive when you do decide to handle a couple of things at that designated workspace. And you'll be surprised how much this will actually reduce your overall time spent on work at home. And it will reduce the resentment on the part of your family. And it will allow you to be more engaged when you're not in that home workspace. So this physical workspace that you go to is a little bit of magic. Because if you have to physically get up and go to that workspace to make or take a call or work on emails, you will actually do it less often and you'll be more productive when you're there. So a physical location where you do your work for school when you are at home. Okay, number four with boundaries is beware of the electronic leash. And the electronic leash is your smartphone. So last episode, when we talked about four hacks for productivity, I talked about how to decide what time you're going to leave for the day because of Parkinson's law that work will fill the time allotted for that work. And you can go back and listen to that episode. But I want you to start thinking about your smartphone as a leash that keeps you attached to work even after you leave work when you've decided, okay, this is the time I'm going to leave work for the day. You leave, but you still have a leash that attaches you to work. So a couple things. First of all, I implore you to turn off email notifications on your smartphone when you leave work for the day. I actually think that it's a super, super, super good idea to turn off email notifications on your phone all day because otherwise you're going to be checking email all day. And again, episode seven talks about how to tame your inbox and you should not have email notifications dinging your 
smartphone or your wearable technology, your smartwatch. All right. You might not want to hear this, but when it comes to boundaries, when you wake up in the morning, if you check your email before you say good morning to your spouse or partner, you need to check your boundaries. What are your boundaries? Well, clearly it's not your bed. Protect the boundary of your bed. Please protect the boundary of your bed. Charge your phone in a different room or at least across the room. I started doing this a year ago. I charged my phone in a different room than our bedroom, and it has been a tremendous game changer for me. Maybe you have kids that drive and they're out at night, or you have elderly parents and you have to have your phone turned up and turned on during the night so that you can hear it if something happens. Okay, so that's legitimate, but I challenge you to charge it on the other side of the room so that you can't just sit there and scroll in bed or check emails in bed. So I challenge you to try it for two weeks and then let me know how it went. So send me a DM on Instagram at the private school leader. If you get an email from me every week, just reply to that. If not, you can email me at mark.o.minkus at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K dot O dot M-I-N-K-U-S at gmail.com. Okay, and then number five, clearly and assertively communicate your boundaries. And I've talked about this word assertive on previous podcast episodes, and I think it gets a bad rap, um, but being assertive is halfway between being a passive pushover and being an aggressive bully. The Cambridge Dictionary says someone who is assertive behaves confidently and is not frightened to say what they want or believe. So what do you communicate and who do I communicate with? Well, first of all, it's your team. If your teachers know I don't respond to emails after 7 p.m. unless it's an emergency, and if it's an emergency, just please call or text me and you will find this will cut down on people reaching out to you. And I know your definition of an emergency and their definition will be often two different things, but you'll be able to massage that and you'll train them into what an emergency is. So then don't feed the beast. Don't respond to emails after 7 p.m. from teachers or parents. Even if you decide to set aside a little bit of time in the evening to catch up on emails, don't reply at that time. Reply, but then schedule it to send at 7.30 a.m. the next morning. Because if your teachers and your and parents see that you're responding to emails at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, then they're just going to keep sending you emails and expect you to respond to them. So even if you choose to do that at your designated workspace, schedule send for the next morning. And then, of course, the second person that you need to communicate these boundaries to is your boss, whether it's a your head of school or whether it's a board president. And I know that that could be an awkward conversation, but again, prioritizing your mental health. And you could say something like, my mental health and my family and friends are priority to me, and this school is a priority to me, and I want to be my best self and be most productive when I am at work, and I can accomplish that by just taking a break from work after 7 p.m. or on the weekends. And so, again, I know it's awkward, but... You have to prioritize your mental health and your physical health. And then finally, last quick tip is when you decide to do one of these, just track it, write it down and make sure that you're 
documenting it so that you can see your progress over time and that will hold you accountable and it will also um, it will also be encouraging when you see that you're actually doing that. Okay, big takeaways. What is burnout? Burnout is defined as the end state of long-term chronic stress. What are the symptoms of burnout? Extreme depletion, extreme mental and physical exhaustion, cynicism, detachment and disengagement at work and in your relationships. There is no quick fix for burnout. Instead of trying to find work-life balance, focus on work-life blend with boundaries. And how are we going to do that? Number one, establish your priorities. Number two, take a mini sabbatical. Number three, use a designated workspace at home. Number four, beware the electronic leash. And number five, clearly and assertively communicate your boundaries. All right, so this week's call to action is establish some clear boundaries around a period of 24 consecutive hours on the weekend where you do not do work for school. Clear boundaries, 24 consecutive hours where you do not do work for school. Try it for three weeks and then email me or DM me on Instagram and tell me how it went. Okay, let's wrap it up. I hope that you got value from this episode. The Private School Leader Podcast exists to help you thrive and not just survive at one of the most difficult jobs on earth. And my goal is to take my years of experience and just add value to you and help you. And I know that where you are today and how you're feeling about yourself as a leader may be that you just want to get back to the things that were really fulfilling and that really filled you up and energized you. Well, I can help take you from being exhausted and hopefully be more inspired and to take better care of yourself. And I've created a free resource for you, and it's called The Six Things That Every Private School Leader Wants From Their Leader. This guide is a six-page PDF that will be a huge help to you, and I guarantee you that if you do these things, the teachers at your school will be happy to follow you, and you can pick up that free guide by going to theprivateschoolleader.com slash guide. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. The show notes are at theprivateschoolleader.com slash episode eight. A new episode of the Private School Leader podcast comes out every week, wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, look for at the Private School Leader. And if you got value from this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And please forward this podcast for the link to another leader or aspiring leader that you know. And I've been your host, Mark Minkus, and I just want to say how much I value and appreciate you taking some time out of your busy day. And I appreciate the good work that you do as you serve your school. So thanks so much for taking some time to join me. And I will see you next time on the Private School Leader Podcast. And until then, always remember to serve first, lead second, and make a difference.